Ross Highland. Ross, how do I describe you? <laughs> oh, look, it'd, it'd depend who you talk to, I guess, Jamie. Well, you've got a pretty good background in agriculture. You've been around for a long time. We'll come back to the Melbourne Cup. You were there in the 80s. You're there now. You've held many, many roles and many advocacy positions during that time. Is it as divisive now as it was back then, uh, taking away the subsidies as or a bigger threat to farming than putting us into an emissions tax? Yeah, look, at Jamie, back in the 80s when... Um Douglas and Longy ripped the rug out from under farming. Farmers were going to go broke. Plenty committed suicide. But the farms didn't disappear. So there was a completely re... Basically a, a, a drop in land values which saw new uh, owners come in and over the next decade, of course, things slowly came right and we saw this huge transition into dairy uh, irrigation throughout Canterbury. Uh, kiwi fruit in the Bay of Plenty and, and wider afield. So um, was it right to remove subsidies? Yes, but this is a very, very different scenario now where you're not just losing the farms, you're losing the farms, or potentially you're going to lose the farms to basically, what would you call them? Um, I think that there's a certain irony that overseas corporations can basically use New Zealand as a carbon dump whilst they carry out and continue their carbon emissions elsewhere around the world, um, come up with some smart logos and marketing campaigns and call themselves um, carbon zero. It's an absolute bloody nonsense. And, And I think, Jamie, you know, when the Prime Minister says it's, you know, we've got to work through the transition, that's a load of bollocks. Um, and the reason it's a load of bollocks is it's based off the wrong premise, Jamie. Um, you know, if you look at Keith Woodford's latest article in the Farmers Weekly, he doesn't give much confidence that there's going to be science breakthroughs of the quantum required to reduce methanes because it's a rumour that's been built over millions of years. So that... What I think we need to really focus on as a country and as a farming community is to focus on the carbon um, offset. So, in other words, the sequestration that farms are basically being denied. And, and I know you've talked about this. I know there's a number who have talked about it. But, you know, it wasn't so long ago that uh, Rod Carr said on your program, Jamie, for example... He said we can't do shelter belts, riparian planting and natives because it's too hard and we can't allocate them as a permanent sink, which I find remarkable in a day of digital technologies, amazing satellite imaging. Uh, you could easily bring in, for example, a an approach where your farm is... Um, mapped every three years, if you've got 50 hectares of your 500 hectares that's in riparian planting or in um, shelter belts, you lock in 50 hectares. You get um, paid the carbon off those 50 hectares and the sequestration off those 50 hectares. And if you do happen to cut five hectares down and not replace it, it'll pop up in your next um, three-yearly review period and you'll have to pay the carbon back. Or you may have replanted them, Jamie. 
That's my thought. Yeah, but hang on, Ross, that, that, that mightn't suit the narrative of some people because if you, and it doesn't have to be a precise science mapping uh, everything that sequesters carbon because it's not a precise science on the other side of the ledger. So, look, I just think that uh, if you did what you're suggesting, uh, especially sheep and beef farms, the extensive ones and the deer farms as well, they're, they're carbon neutral, carbon positive, all of them anyhow. So they wouldn't be uh, subject to an emissions tax because they're doing more good for the planet than they are polluting. Yeah, and that, and that may well be correct, Jamie, but I think you could do a one-off on those operations and say, well, clearly these guys are... Um, carbon positive, uh, you have a 10-year exemption before we revisit. I mean, I think it's just... I mean, it was 2008 or 2009, the Ministry of Environment put out a paper on mapping, satellite mapping imagery of on-farm shelter belts. I mean, this technology's been around 10 to 15 years, and it's only got better. And so for Rod Carr and his various commission... Um, uh, commissioners and the government to sort of hide behind this. It's all in the two hard basket and so therefore we're not going to give the farmers any credits. We're going to smack them around the ears with carbon debits. Uh, but no, you're not going to get any credits for all the work you've been doing. It's just a load of BS. Alright, hey let's just finish it. with You've done some homework for us on, on the Melbourne Cup, Ross. Oh, <laughs> I, I'd have to start with the fact that my good friend Brent Gilovich, who's a very well-known horse breeder and uh, here in the Waikato did send me and say, hey, look, you're really smart by saying at least you know that it's race seven in Melbourne. But um, thank you, Brent, for that uh, tip. But <laughs> uh, look, I, I mean, I think there's three or four horses that, have, that, that stand out for me. Obviously, the favourite, red-hot favourite from Ireland is Deville Legend. Um, you could chuck in Montefilia without a fight. Um, Knight's Order, they, they, they're probably, you know, you could box those. Um a roughie for me is uh, Smoke and Romans. Um, I think he's got a good outside chance. And then, of course, my wife, um, Meg, she, she likes Hu Ya Mei, which is, um, I think she just likes it because of the name. But, yeah, I mean, it, you could box either of those sort of five or six horses, uh, take a trifecta of any of the, th- the three, certainly the top three, Jamie, and I think you've got a good chance of getting your money back. Good on you, mate. Ross Highland there with his thoughts on the country.